0: What is it about the Midwest? Outsiders do not understand. Everyone nods and gives the heartland hello.
1: Surrounded by corn, rivers, and lakes, we are discovering the Midwest disturbing side.
0: This is Midwest Crime. Hey, welcome back to Midwest Crime. I'm Nico. I'm Jess. And we're Continuing our second episode of Bonnie and Clyde. If you didn't catch the first one, we highly suggest you go back and listen.
1: There was a lot of information that we really got into some great details about them, and it was something you really want to listen to.
0: We will catch you up, though, if you've forgotten a little bit. We covered Bonnie and Clyde's their early life. Um, they both were raised in poor families and easily... Um, Got into criminality. Yeah, it was a, uh, you know, from being poor, it's easy to jump right into uh, easy ways to make money right. with burglary, theft, things of that sort. You know, we know the mom and pop shops, yep, <laughs> and they each kind of did uh, stints in prison and jail, and were able to, you know, get out, escape in some aspect, mm-hmm. and, um, you know, they went around li- through the states. We covered the different places they held up, different ambushes that they had, and now we're going to um, continue where we left off with the sheriff. Welcome back, guys. We're going to go into the final ambush of Bonnie and Clyde. And we're going to also cover the aftermath and kind of what happens to the gang members and the posse um, in this episode. So, we all remember Hammer. He's hot on the tail of Bonnie and Clyde. Um, he's the, the big old boy mm-hmm. that we were talking about last episode. And so he pursued the gang and realized that they were staying in a circle of the outskirts of five midwest states which we talked about last episode of how they were kind of crossing the border staying on the outskirts and uh you know making sure to stay out of the law's eyes well he caught on to that and so this they were doing this to exploit the state line rule, which uh, preventing law enforcement to follow fugitives across the state line. Mm-hmm. Very, very smart. He caught onto it, and so he predicted the path the gang would take. And knowing that they usually went to see their family, he, uh, you know, was setting up some things to maybe catch them. Oh, wow. uh, yeah. So. The gang was due to see Mel- Melfin's family um, in Louisiana. So they split up, which we saw in the past is not the smart thing to do. <laughs> and uh, so what they did was establish Melfin's mom's place as the rendezvous for when they m- met back up. Okay. So Hammer started in route with a posse of six men. And these six men included Texas officers Hammer, Hinton, Alcorn, and BM Maney gult and Louisiana officers Henderson, Jordan, and Prentice Morrill Oakley. And these guys, um, they're the posse that is, you know, hot on their trail, so to speak. And on May twenty first, four of the six guys. Um, in the posse learned of a planned meeting between Barrow, parker and melvin mm-hmm. Melvin, and so once the full posse was informed and they set up an ambush on louisiana state highway 154 so they found this information out quickly made some arrangements mm-hmm. to then set up this ambush <clears throat> one member hinton recounted that they were set up and in place by 9 p.m. on May 21st. They stayed in place until the next day, May 22nd, with no sign. Oh Can you imagine just chilling out there on some random state highway, just waiting? Yeah. Every car that comes up, you know, you're, you're excited, you're ready, and then the no. car passes, nothing. And so they're waiting and waiting, and they hold out until the next morning, May 23rd. Yeah, so
1: 48-plus hours
0: of, you know, peeing behind a bush. Yeah, (laughs) Yeah, exactly. And uh, so at approximately 9.15 a.m., the posse was done hiding in the bushes. They had had enough, and they were about to give up, pack up, and walk away. And guess who drives up?
1: Bonnie and Clyde. Yep. Oh my gosh.
0: Clyde's Ford V8 comes rolling through. (laughs) What What Bonnie and Clyde didn't realize is Melvin had arranged with the posse to park his car on the shoulder of the road. They had gotten to him before the gang met up in their rendezvous. The posse did. The police.
1: Okay. They
0: got to Melfin, Melvin, and they tried to, you know, get him to help mm-hmm. them, and he did. And so he was directed to park his car on the shoulder of the road, and they hoped that Clyde would see this stop, uh-huh. and they knew that'd be their opportunity. Yeah. And so he did, and Barrow fulfilled their prophecy, and as soon as... They realized he was pulling over. They opened fire. While the car's still in motion, open fire. And it is said that before any order was made, Oakley, one of the officers, fired the first shot, which ended up being the headshot that killed Clyde instantly.
1: Oh, my goodness.
0: So without orders even being made, they took out Clyde. Yeah. And this is, you know something that we deal with a lot today is yeah. you know is it when is it clear to open fire right. and i'm not going to get too deep into that because that could be a whole podcast in itself yeah. <laughs> right. um, but the officers then emptied their weapons according to hinton and alcon each member had a shotgun an automatic rifle and pistols. Wow,
1: they were ready.
0: They were ready. <laughs> they, they had an arsenal of their own. Yeah. They were ready. And the clips were emptied all 30 rounds, leaving smoke residue in the car and it almost looked like there was a fire in the car because there was so much smoke. Now, footage was taken directly after the ambush and it shows 112 bullet holes in the Ford V8. Mm-hmm. That's only a quarter of the bullets that actually hit the couple.
1: Really? Oh, my God.
0: (laughs) It's like, you know, definitely need some training. A little bit. (laughs) A little bit of target practice. Uh (laughs) Uh, So, Dr. J.L. Wade, the coroner, listed 17 entry wounds on Clyde's body and 26 to Parker's in his official report. Oh, my goodness. Out of the 112 bullets. Mm -hmm. That's just... That's crazy, yeah. you know?
1: 17 and 26. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> right, yeah. Uh,
0: so, C.F. Boots Bailey had trouble embalming the two because of the extensive bullet holes. Oh. Which, you think about, about yeah, it, yeah, right? Like, I read that and was like, oh, well, that makes sense. Yeah. But, you know, you wouldn't think about that when you're hearing about it. Right. After the inspection of the vehicle, the officers found an arsenal of weaponry, including... Automatic rifles, semi-automatic sawed-off shotguns, assorted handguns, and several rounds of ammo, along with 15 sets of license plates from various states.
1: So they had all this, and they were just going to a family member's house. Right.
0: Yeah. They were just they... going to meet up with their family. Yeah. But, you know, from what we see of their life, they had to be prepared. Right. True. You know, yeah. they...
1: they were being chased. Yeah. much all the time, so that makes sense, yeah. Exactly.
0: They were hunted by the police, so they needed to do what they thought was necessary, necessary mm-hmm. to make sure to get out of it. Yeah. And so the news spread quickly of the two deaths. Mm-hmm. I mean, they were front-page news. People were you know, idolizing them because they were living this crazy life. Yeah. News spread so fast when this happened. And spectators came and surrounded the scene, and they left the scene guarded by two officers. Two officers guarded the scene, while the rest of them went back to the precinct. It's like,
1: what? Do you know who you guys are dealing with right now? Yeah. Yeah, right?
0: Yeah, and so... (sighs) you know people spectators were just forming around and two officers are not going to do anything to keep people back right and so people began to take souvenirs which is sickly crazy to think about people want to take souvenirs of this ambush of two you know highly publicized criminals Mm -hmm. but they did they wanted the souvenirs And some of those things were shell casings, uh, slivers from the glass from the windows of the car, bloody pieces of clothing, weird stuff. But some souvenirs were more harrowing than others. There are reports individuals attempted taking Barrow's ear. Oh. A man tried to cut off his ear. Locks of Parker's hair people were taking. Oh my goodness. And the most disturbing of all to me is borrow's trigger finger someone tried to take his trigger finger
1: wow
0: right nine officers countless civilians yeah they they wanted the finger responsible for that (laughs) i
1: guess it's interesting
0: it is and the posse of officers then towed the car with the bodies inside to conger furniture store and funeral home in downtown Arcadia, Louisiana. First of all, crazy to think of furniture store <laughs> slash funeral home. Yeah, <laughs> but you got to do what you got to do. To make them
1: comfortable, right. them. yeah. Out their, their
0: yeah, it's funny you say that because the father of Clyde, Henry Barrow. Um, He ID'd the body, and then he was so distraught that he went and sat in the furniture section just weeping in a rocking
1: chair. Oh, really?
0: And, yeah, there's reports of him just literally sitting there all day, you know.
1: Crying. Yeah,
0: saddened by the loss of his son. And uh, so, you know, luckily there was a furniture section. Right. They had a place to hang out.
1: Some concrete.
0: Right. So, H.D. Darby was an undertaker at the McClure Funeral Parlor, and Sophia Stone was a home demonstration agent. Um, Both of them had come to Arcadia from uh, close by Rustin to ID the bodies. Mm -hmm. Uh, They were both kidnapped in 1933 by the gang. uh, During, with uh, Darby said, after finding out he was the undertaker Parker kind of remarked uh that he'd be embalming her and so he wasn't Mm. you know actually the one that did that but it's kind of funny that she saw the irony of who she kidnapped yeah you know um so Bonnie and Clyde had always kind of you know thought of the fact that they'd be buried together, they'd spend the rest of eternity together. Um, but despite their wishes, Parker was buried in the Fish Trap Cemetery cemetery and um you know her mom wished that she was brought home, the family didn't want her to be buried with Barrow and but she was moved in 1945 to the New Crown Hill Cemetery in Dallas. Oh okay. Yeah, and uh more than 2000 people attended the Parker funeral and bringing they brought flowers and cards and it was just by the masses. You know, yeah. these these two had been almost celebrities yeah. for criminals. So, you know, we think of for instance when Michael Jackson passed years mm-hmm. ago thousands and thousands of people came to honor their respects mm-hmm. this was kind of a similar thing where you know people had been following their actions and right. you know excited by what was going on and is almost one of those you can't even believe it until you see it with your own eyes right. we have to go see the funeral because is this real
1: are they really yeah, dead? yeah. are
0: they really hiding out you <laughs> yeah, know True. It's said that some of uh, the cards were from other notorious criminals like John oh. Dillinger, Pretty Boy Floyd. Uh-huh. Um, so that's kind of a you know an interesting tidbit that other criminals paid their respects yes. you know to to Bonnie and Clyde. Um, Barrow was bur- buried in Dallas with his brother Melvin uh, under a granite headstone, and he created it himself. And it says "gone but not forgotten," which is very, very true. Yes. Still to this day, we're making a podcast about it. Yes. People talk about it all the time, mm-hmm. um, you know. And it's definitely one of those famous couple duos, yes, you
1: absolutely.
0: know. Um, <clears throat> pardon me. And so he was placed in Western Heights Cemetery with thousands crowding around to. Cl- just catch a glimpse of the body and by the end of summer 1934 it was made a federal law that bank robbing and kidnapping were now federal offenses so if you can think about that you know our country was founded in 1776 it wasn't until 1934 that it was a federal law to you could not bank rob or kidnap Oh my gosh. Between the, you know, that hundred and what, sixty yeah. years, you know, technically, it was not federally illegal to rob a bank.
1: Yeah. Or, or to, to kidnap, kidnap somebody, yeah. Which is
0: such a big offense. Yeah. And and so it's just wild that after their deaths, you know, it, it definitely made a difference. It made in, an
1: impact on
0: yes, America. Yes, on and the laws that existed.
1: Absolutely.
0: Yeah, so... um now on to kind of the the posse we'll take a quick break and then fill you guys in on the aftermath of the posse and other members of the gang
1: hey guys welcome back so we just finished talking about Bonnie and clyde's funerals and all the sorrow that people were feeling in the how they were celebrating them almost like they were celebrities. Yeah. Um. So now we want to touch base on the gang members that were involved with them. Um. Nico, yeah. what is some stuff that you found out?
0: Yeah. So what's crazy is after their deaths, you know, a lot of the family members were then looked at, right? Right. So you know, guilty through association, mm-hmm. and the posse was rewarded for their efforts. Okay. Which. And I'll touch on that. So each member of the posse was rewarded two hundred dollars and twenty three cents for their efforts. Because if you think about the rewards that were out there, there were also six guys. So that it had to be broken up evenly. Oh, okay, yeah. But still, two hundred bucks, you know? It's
1: still quite a bit of money from And back then,
0: yeah. And
1: now
0: I take (laughs) 20. Right, right. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) Throw it my way. Uh And uh, so this wasn't the full amount of the anticipated compensation, Uh but it, you know, it broke down to what it was. And the posse was actually told that they could take what they wanted from the confiscated items, which is crazy to me. They were able once they gathered this evidence, mm-hmm. it was confiscated mm-hmm. for their duties. They could take what they wanted.
1: That's really interesting. Mm-hmm. Almost like an extra reward for them, you know, yeah. like something that they can be like, listen, grandkids, like, yeah, I have this round from
0: Bonnie and Clyde, Bonnie and you're yeah.
1: all about them. I was there. I captured them, kind of thing.
0: I for sure. Them. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I was part of the posse that took them out. Yeah. And so. Hammer, one of the Mm -hmm. officers, took the arsenal. He took all the he took majority of the weapons, and after which, Barrow's mother actually sent a note asking him to return the guns and reminding him her son was not tried in court. Wow! Right. So that's you know, kind of a well thought out thing. Like, Mm -hmm. yes, okay, you you know. Rid my son of this but he he never was taken to court right so all of this confiscated weaponry all the, all of this stuff still belongs to us yes yeah. but she didn't even want it back to her. she just wanted it not Out in of his their possession yeah. yeah and Interesting. yeah so uh, Alcorn claimed and received borrow saxophone. Which, I didn't really touch on that much, but he did have a saxophone, and after Alcorn claimed it, he actually then donated it to the Barrow family, so... Oh, okay. Yeah, that's a... I'm comfortable with that scenario. Yeah. You know, that's kind of a nice uh, human touch, Yeah, you know, like, yes, I was part of the posse, but I understand you guys have a loss. Yeah, i I still
1: somebody's brother, somebody's son... Kind yeah. Of thing, yeah
0: exactly, and the family claimed Sheriff Jordan kept the suitcase of cash that was in the car, and there were later reports of him buying a barn and land in Arcadia, so from what I can tell, he probably took the the suitcase yes. of cash <laughs> yeah <that would laughs> <make> sense, right? <laughs> right, and it you know, as we touched on earlier, the two of them, Bonnie and Clyde came up from you know poorer backgrounds mm-hmm. so i'm sure their family could have used that suitcase of cash oh
1: absolutely you know yeah. and
0: they had been traveling to visit their family you know are they dropping off some of this cash to Possibly. help their family yeah. maybe is it right how they're getting this cash no but
1: they're you just know, trying
0: to find a way to provide right right so and is- they didn't They weren't taught any other way, you know, almost. And so Dallas and federal authorities in February 1935 started what was later known as the harboring trials. And this is where we dive into what happens to their family members Um, because they started trying members of both families and friends who were accused of aiding and abetting. So, if you're accused, we're trying you. Mm -hmm. And Barrow and Parker's mothers were both sentenced to 30 days in jail.
1: Oh, wow.
0: Right, yeah. Just your son and daughter stopping by, 30 days in jail. Um, Other sentences ranged from one hour in custody to two years imprisonment. It was kind of different for... You know, different cases in each person. Okay. Um, Blanche, who was Buck uh, Clyde's brother, mm-hmm. that was his, uh, the sister in law, Blanche, that was oh, her name. Okay. Um, she was charged with intent to kill, convicted, oh. and sentenced to 10 years. She was paroled in six. Okay. Um, so, you know, she didn't have to serve the full 10. Yeah. But she she wasn't super involved, you know. Mm-mm. She no, just kind of was a bystander of the gang. Yeah, you know. She took care of them. Yeah,
1: she was almost like the mother of the gang. Right. Know, like, yeah. yeah. Interesting. Okay. You know,
0: Bonnie got hurt. She she tried to help heal her. She yes. tried to get them out of the criminal lifestyle. Yes. She ended up going away for a decade. Dang. Yeah. That sucks. And so um she actually died of cancer at age 77 um on christmas eve in 1988 yeah so and i mean compared you know she died from cancer it wasn't a shootout ambush it was maybe a little bit more peaceful in a way but not you know cancer is a tough thing to go through and definitely uh you know that can hit a family just as hard absolutely Um, Hamilton and Palmer, some of the East Ham escapees, they, uh, now we're going way back, (laughs) and they were captured after the escape and convicted of murder, actually, and to which they were given the electric chair in Huntsville, Texas. Yeah, the, (laughs) the electric chair. Yeah. And, uh, that was on May 10th of 1935.
1: So, imagine what what that's like
0: right yeah and you know nowadays you don't mm. that's i don't even know if it's legal like i don't know the legality I or i don't even think it's an option I don't most know. of the time anymore i don't think so but back then it was
1: a regular yeah. yeah
0: yeah that's that's what they did and uh so Then there was W.D. Jones. We remember him, the young guy, friends of the family. Um, He was actually convicted of the murder of Doyle Johnson and served a lenient sentence of 15 years. So just uh, take a minute. Blanche, the sister-in-law, 10 years. Uh W.D. Jones, who definitely had a lot more criminal activity on him, Fifteen, yep. he, and and he was put away for murder. Yeah, you know that's she. Blanche didn't kill anybody, right? <laughs> you yeah. know, and so it's it's kind of crazy how some of the she
1: with intent to kill.
0: Yes, yeah, and, and, and she
1: didn't actually though. So no, that's, yeah. so surprising, but
0: and it, it's yeah, it's such a close time, yeah. you know, ten to fifteen years.
1: Well, if you would have killed them, you would have got just five more years. Right? On <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah.
0: That's and uh, after a confession including some rather risky stories of the gang's activities, um, they all are believed to be lies. Uh, that's I didn't go into detail because if if it's fibbing, it's not worth sharing.
1: Right.
0: And uh, but after a misunderstanding of a jealous boyfriend of a woman, he attempted to help. He was killed on August 4th, 1974. So he he thought that this woman was in peril, mm-hmm. tried to assist, and was, you know, yeah, killed, killed by the jealous boyfriend, which is a heck of a way to, to go out for a, a criminal.
1: All the things <laughs> you've done before? Right,
0: yeah, all of the things that you've done, and then, you know, so maybe he did learn a little bit and was trying to. Um, be a more productive citizen yeah you know definitely. you you don't know but that could be so our man Melvin was convicted in Oklahoma of the 1934 murder of Constable Campbell at Commerce Oklahoma um, he was paroled eight years later and he actually was killed by a train six years um, after his release and by he he fell asleep uh, drunk on the Train tracks.
1: Oh my gosh. Right? What a way. Yeah. You know?
0: It just seems
1: like Bonnie and Clyde, once, you know, they were gone, the rest of their
0: crew game Yeah, they started just, just. Yep. They served their time and, and then, then, they, then that was it, yeah. you know? Um, Oakley, who was one of the officers, succeeded Henderson Jordan as sheriff of ben, Bienville Parish in 1940 he also admitted to firing the first shot prematurely to close friends so that was something that he himself came out to that you know i maybe jumped the gun i i did you know put the first shot out there and he did tell that to his close friends i think that's how we know it now yeah you know um hammer returned to security and, and like the security business, and mm-hmm. died in 1955 at age 71, and he had many years of poor health. But oh. if you think about you know all of the things that he went through being part of the of the posse, it's easy that that may mentally break you down. Oh
1: yeah, absolutely. You know,
0: and if you're mentally, I mean,
1: they were out hiding in bushes yeah. for over 48 hours. So right. like. Yeah. That's exhausting.
0: (laughs) Yeah. And then to ambush a couple, you know, that could definitely, no matter what they did, that's something that you took part of. Yes. You know, that could definitely have been a negative factor. Yeah. Exactly. Bob Alcorn died on May 23rd, 1964. It was 30 years to the day after the Gibbs Lamb ambush. Oh, Isn't that crazy? Yeah, it is. Thirty years later he died the same day Bonnie and oh Clyde my
1: did. Gosh. You
0: know? Yeah. <laughs> and uh the bullet punctured uh the bullets that punctured the Ford V eight I'm the bullet punctured Ford V eight made its way around the country as a tourist attraction. People were charged a dollar to sit inside. They literally this became a you know a site for people and after which it was sold to casinos across Nevada Iowa and Missouri and it's it's crazy because things like this happen you know kind of regularly terrible terrible events become tourist attractions Uh terrible terrible pieces of you know cars or homes things of that sort people want to see um, it brings to mind, I believe it was Ted Bundy's, uh, slug bug. I think he had a... a the yellow the, yeah, bug. yeah, yeah, yeah. And, you know, that also was something that, you know, people mm-hmm. wanted to see. They mm-hmm. wanted to, um, kind of, you know, what's the fuss about yeah. it? And I it's think cr-
1: they might have wanted to feel that, like that sense of being bad for a little bit without yeah. actually committing any of the crimes that they actually committed, you know? Right. Like, they wanted to sit in the car and f- try to feel what they were feeling, you know? Yeah. Being shot at like mm-hmm. that for the things that they've done. It's,
0: right. It's, it's Maybe that's crazy why to, we
1: talk about it, yeah. you know, too. Like, we want to understand what these people were feeling like and what they were thinking, too. And
0: Right. And what just made intriguing. them create or, you know, take these opportunities... To just do the wrong thing why why you know and I think it's easy to say that and think about when you know you didn't go through things that they went through right if you had a better upbringing you're like well how did you even get entangled with that yeah that was all they knew And you know people get engrossed in trying to figure that out we may never figure it out but you know, it's one of those things that we're gonna sure as heck keep trying. Yeah, we're gonna talk about <laughs> Right on. Do you have any final thoughts or or side pieces? Any uh, anything that just is still stuck in your brain? Bonnie and Clyde. Bonnie
1: and Clyde. They're just both super unique individuals. And I, I think talking about them is Telling their story in a way is really interesting because... The
0: details. Yeah. You know, it's like you just think of, oh, Bonnie and Clyde, the robbers. Right. There's a lot more depth,
1: Mm -hmm. you
0: know. As I was reading about them, I was just like, good gracious. There is tons of things I didn't even know. I didn't even know that they killed nine police officers. Right? I didn't know that... They hit up mom-and-pop shops. Like, you think of Bonnie and Clyde as, like, oh, you know, the worker-class hero. They're criminals. Mm-hmm. They're, like, ooh, you know, almost inspiring. Mm-hmm. But they hit up mom-and-pop shops. Yeah. You know, yeah. that was their, their main income. It's very interesting. Yeah. It's, it's definitely wild to think about. And I hope that our listeners have enjoyed our Bonnie and Clyde episode and will continue to listen to the many that are to come. Yeah, I know we, we got a
1: couple things going right now that we're excited to talk about with you guys.
0: We have some really good people lined up. Hopefully, you guys maybe some you've never heard of, uh-huh. maybe some you've heard a thousand times, but hey, what, what else could we maybe bring to the table? You're right. All right, catch us next time.
1: Thank you.